as we look at our theme for this year, Conversations with Jesus, and as we see him interact with a bunch of people and their stories, we see that God is in every aspect, and we learn so much from the life of Christ and how he did interact with people, and, and that's our prayer as a pastoral team, that we will grow this year in our engagement with other people, whether it be in our church or the larger community, that we will learn to be more and more like Jesus as we focus on the way that he has interacted with people. And just so you know, you can go ahead and turn to John 1. Uh, that's our text uh, this morning, and then throughout the year, Lord willing, we'll be in the Gospel of John. But uh, we're not necessarily going verse by verse as far as every single verse in John. That would take a very long time, knowing the way I preach. Uh, you probably uh, can understand that. But uh, we will be taking chunks of the portion of the Gospel of John, and we will be working through it exegetically. But I wanted to just kind of clear up that this, this morning right from the beginning. Those of you who may think that I, I missed a verse, uh, it, it is not an accident. We are just strategically walking through uh, from this vantage point the conversations with Jesus. But as we look at this uh, subject of the way that he interacted with people, we started last week with the idea, who is Jesus? And I, I think it's crucial that we start there so that we have the foundation um, with, uh, our, with our perspective to understand who he is in order to be able to trust his words. And John gives a very clear explanation of who Jesus is and why we should trust him. We were able to get through the first three verses last week, and we're going to continue that this morning. If you look in John 1, it says there in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was a true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the, love was for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were revealed through Jesus Christ. As we 
continue just trying to understand who Jesus is. I wanted to just put these four points up from last week to review and remind us just so we get that strong foundation of who he is. We looked at the first verse there. In the beginning was the word. He is the communicator. We looked at that term logos, logos, and just the the idea of what that means, that he is actually the essence of the communication of the divine message. Jesus is the word. He is the communication of truth himself. Jesus said, I am the truth. He is also the eternal one. It says that uh, in the scripture there, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so we understand Jesus was not created. He is the eternal one. He is the second person of the Godhead, always has been and always will be. The third point there, uh, understanding that John makes it crystal clear, Jesus himself uh, testified to this, that he is the one true God. We must see him as fully God and also fully man. He is also the creator, as it says there in verse 3, that he spoke all things into existence, and so we understand that life comes from him. So that's kind of where we concluded last week. I want to continue in verse 4 and uh, let's go there just by just by way of reminder understanding in him was life and the life was the light of men. So we uh, we can gather from this passage and other ones like 1 Corinthians 8 6 I mentioned this last week yet for us there is but one God the Father from whom all th- are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. So Jesus not only is the communicator, the one true God, the eternal one, we have as well the fact that he is life. Therefore, Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So Jesus is the life. He is the center of all things. This will be a theme that John brings to light many times in his gospel. He mentions the the term life 36 times more than any other gospel. And so we'll probably track that a little bit as we go through. But he is continuing to communicate that Jesus is the creator and he is the sustainer. Jesus is life. Our theme for 2023, uh, you may have caught it, I think it's on the bulletin today, but you'll see it throughout the building and next week you'll see it much more on our posters and and the different ways we like to communicate our theme. Uh, But our theme this year is doing life with Jesus. Now, I want to just say from the very beginning, I'm not trying to bring him low. In fact, if anything, through our music today and in every aspect, we want to exalt Jesus Christ. We want to lift him high. But we have this phrase, doing life with Jesus, that we think will help us understand 
that he really should have an impact on our everyday lives. He's not just a person who we know personally and every once in a while we interact with. Jesus is life. It says in him, in in verse 4, in him was life. So Jesus is the life. He's our life. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. All things, 1 Corinthians, as I just read, just said that all things exist through him. This phrase, doing life together, is something that has caught on. I think the evangelical community wants to claim it as it started from them. I actually don't know exactly who started doing life together. Um, But, you know, you'll hear celebrities, you'll hear influencers on a regular basis. You'll see people on social media platforms uh, kind of put a picture up and maybe it's their spouse or their family or whatever. And they'll say things like, I'm so glad I get to do life with this person. And the idea really just uh, started very small and it has grown and it's somewhat of an accepted idea in our culture, which is why we chose to take that and, and, and really make it what is applicable to the believer that we are to be doing life with Jesus. Now, the broader idea of it, what people mean by it, is that doing life with others entails embarking on journeys and paths that will bring in both good and bad. And so it's that idea that, that you, you, you spend time with people and you go through life with them. And sometimes there are good moments and sometimes there are bad um, it, it's the idea of experiencing some of the ordinary moments as well as some of the monumental moments in life with someone. It's also come to mean that, that you share those more intimate details of your life with someone. And so if you do life together, you actually have a close interaction Moment by moment, perhaps, but but definitely in the small things and in the large things, in the bad times and the good times, you are with this person. And so when we think about doing life with Jesus, it, it connects us to what the Bible is communicating here in John 1, that actually all of our life should be wrapped around him. If there's anyone that the believer does life with, it should be Jesus. You see the idea uh, as well uh, nowadays of this is my person, right? And, and sometimes it's, it's the person who is your closest relationship or, or someone who's a close friend. They're referred to as that's my person. For the believer, if there's anyone who should be our person, it's Jesus, Right? He's our person because he is our life. He's the one who created us. He's the one who sustains us. All of our life exists through him. I mentioned last week, this very day, we all are breathing here and, and we are living life because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is making it happen even in this moment. So... When he claims that I am the way, the truth, and the life, it means that through him we have everything. We have what he came to give us, and that is eternal life. And that's the greatest aspect of this idea of life. In general, he is the author of it all, but the greatest thing that we can think about in regards to Jesus is the gift of eternal life that he offers. 
And this passage in John speaks to that, that that we have life in his name. We sing a song here at Calvary from time to time, uh, a good song that says, the title is, All I Have is Christ, and the chorus goes like this, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ, Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. That should be natural for the believer. Now, I realize there are a lot of competing people, right, that that we want to allow into our hearts and into our lives, and, and there's a lot of options as far as relationships, at least for most of us. But Jesus is to be our person. Again, I'm not trying to bring him down, make him low at any point. I'm trying to exalt him and, and make him more of an influence in our life. That he is the one that we do life with because he's the one who's actually granting it to us moment by moment. He is our life. And so it's our responsibility to view him that way and actually let him have the rightful place in our lives. The scripture tells us to sanctify Christ as Lord, which means to literally let him have center spot. Now, as we wrestle with the remnants of the old man in our flesh, it is that constant battle in our hearts. Is Jesus in the center? Is he our life? That is his rightful spot He deserves to be our main person because he is our life, because he has created us and he is absolutely sustaining us. Verse 10 tells us that there are those who don't know him. So we have the option. Look at verse 10. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And yet the world did not know him. So, yes, he is the creator. He is the sustainer. But we have the option to to choose whether we will follow him and believe in his name and let him be our life. Verse 11 says that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So this life that he offers, this life that he is, It is one that we must personally, individually receive. John 3.16, one of the most common verses that even general public, at least at one time, understood or, or was familiar with it. And nowadays it's becoming less and less. But the end of that verse says that should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, John 10, 10, he said that he came that he might give people life and that he might give it to them abundantly. He came to give this life. So we have here that John wrote this book. But these things have been written purpose statement for our book that we may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we have light 
life in his name. So number five, Jesus is the life. Number six, Jesus is well is referred to in John 1 here as the light. It says there in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Continues to talk about it. And then verse 9, it says, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. So Jesus is the light. What does that mean? He is clarity in a world full of darkness and confusion. Jesus is is clarity. When we are confused, when we don't understand, we look to the person of Jesus Christ and he brings it all into focus. He came to be the light of men. What does that mean? He came into the world of man. And this light that is referred to here many times and as well will be developed through the Gospel of John it means that, that God is what First John says, that he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, it is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. And we know the difference because it is expressed fully in the darkness We have here that at the end of verse uh, 5 there, the darkness did not comprehend it. At least my version that I'm reading from in the NASB, it translates it that way. It does not comprehend the darkness. And that's a a fine translation. Some say grasp. Um, But I think a better way to translate it, maybe the ESV here and some others, where it says that the, the, the light or the darkness is not able to extinguish it or overcome it. I think that's, that's the, the meaning here of this passage, that there is such a contrast between where Jesus is. Jesus is the light. He came into the world of men, which is full of darkness, and we understand that because it's under the control of the evil one, and that's where there, we know that this world is full of darkness. It's in the heart of man. But Jesus entered that, and the two exist presently together. But what happens and what is crystal clear in John 1 is that the light, that the darkness cannot extinguish the light. You go into a dark room and you flick a lighter, what happens? You can see it. The darkness doesn't overcome as long as you have enough little gas in that little container there. The light shines, right? Jesus is the light and he never runs out of gas. Ever. He's the eternal one. He always has been and always will be. So even though this world does look dark, so many times it feels dark. When everything around us seems like it is under the control of the evil one and things are decaying, we understand that God is here. He is the light. Verse 9, he is the true light. And whether men and women want to admit it or not, according to John, it says that he enlightens every man. In what way does he enlighten every man? I think Romans 1 speaks to that where, where he gives the light of reason and conscious, uh, consciousness where there is in every man the, the knowledge of God. Now man tries to suppress it and put it away. 
but that is in every human being because we are made in his likeness. Though we are made by him, there are those who will reject him and will not recognize him as the light. Even in this passage, his own people did not recognize he is the light. And today, many will not acknowledge and recognize and believe that he is the light, but it does not diminish the fact that he is. And there is no amount of darkness that can overtake him. Jesus is the life and he is the light. The next thing John here communicates is that Jesus is human. And hopefully this is very encouraging for you. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. He came and he took on the form of man. Now, I I just want to clarify, at this point, he did not uh, cease to be God. He's fully God and fully man all at the same time. And this passage says that he came to dwell among us. I like the idea of him uh, where it's communicated that he pitched his tent among us. God, the eternal one, Jesus Christ, he came in the form of man. He took upon himself flesh. He was just like us. And so this is encouraging for us because he understands what we go through. He understands our weakness. He understands temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Our high priest Jesus The God-man who came, took upon himself flesh, he experienced the hardships of this broken world as we experience the hardships of this broken world. In fact, it says that he was tempted in all of the same aspects that we are. So we have someone who sympathizes with us. Our Savior understands our weakness He is human. So when he came and he interacted with humans and he had all of these wonderful conversations with them, he was understanding them from their perspective. Jesus understands us. He understands our struggles. He understands where we fall. He understands completely. He is our creator. He's the one sustaining us, and he himself experienced life as we experience it. And so he can be trusted. He is the voice of of the conversations we're going to look at. He's the main person. He's the voice we want to listen to. And as I've encouraged us before, sometimes that voice is going to hit us in places and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to touch on areas of our life and the way that we look at life and the way we look at others that sometimes it's uncomfortable. 
You know, when someone comes to Jesus Christ and, and God changes them, it's the natural progression for them to be sanctified and grow and change. But what can happen is pride can come into the heart and we can start to get our eyes off our Savior and get it on ourselves and really start to think that we are someone, that we have really cleaned up our lives really great or we have this great clean family and, and everything is perfect. And then we interact with people who are broken and hard and in difficult places in the community in which we live. And we can start to think, well, they need Jesus and I'm so glad I'm not like them. And sometimes subtly comes into our heart and, and even then sometimes out of our mouth judgment. And, and, and really attitudes about people that Jesus never had. And so as we trust his voice to be greater than our own opinion about stuff, it's our prayer that his voice changes us. Because with him came a perspective that he understands. It says that we saw his glory. At one time, his glory was revealed in the tabernacle and the temple, and with him coming as a man in Jesus Christ, in the person, we see the glory of God. And how that is described, if we go to the text there, at the end of uh, verse 14, it says, uh, the word became flesh and we dwelt, and he dwelt among us and we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is how his glory is revealed. The glory of the eternal God came in the form of man and what do we see? The very first description is grace. That is glorious for us. The very first thing that is described about the glory of God is His grace. And that should be the first thing out of our hearts and our minds toward other people. Grace. Why? Because it's what we see in the glory of Jesus. And I realize it's grace and truth and both operate perfectly together. But a lot of times we focus real heavy on the truth. And I'm all for it. But the two go perfectly together in the glory of God. Grace and truth. What is grace? There are many, many definitions of it. God's favor toward the unworthy would be one. God's benevolence on the undeserving. Simply put, probably undeserved favor or kindness. So when Jesus took upon him the form of man, and as we see the glory of God revealed in that, the first thing that is described is undeserved favor, kindness. It's the first thing. And this text goes on to say that, that we have received grace upon grace. 
John testified about him and cried out loud, saying, This was he of whom I said, He comes after me, he is higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I love that idea. Think about it as an ocean of grace. His grace, one writer said, is an ocean from which all people draw without ever diminishing its content. What we experience in our person, in the person that we do life with together, we experience grace upon grace. We don't deserve His love. We don't deserve His kindness. In fact, Scripture is very clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of His grace and His glory. But what He offers continually is like the waves of grace. One wave crashing after another. Grace upon grace. That is what we have experienced. That's what we have seen in the person of Jesus Christ undeserved favor over and over and over and over. We're experiencing it right here today. People who still are prone to wander, people who still go away, people who make foolish choices, people who rob God of His glory. What we get from our Savior on a regular basis is just more grace. Grace Upon grace, the fullness that we experience. Verse 17 says it's revealed. Grace and truth are realized through him. That's our Jesus. That's our person. That's the person that we actually get to do life with. The creator of the universe, the sustainer of our very lives, the person who we exist through. And what we get from him is grace. That's what we get. Undeserved favor. When we deserve anything but it. Do you see him as your person? Do you do life with him? I realize you probably claim him. But is he in the center of it? That's his rightful place. And the evil one wants to do everything he possibly can to keep him out of that rightful place in our hearts. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know him personally. The scripture says in this text very clearly in verse 12, but as many as received him, To them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so today can be the day where Jesus becomes your person. 
And you know, as simple as it is, it's written right here in this text. All you have to do is believe in his name. And in his name, there is life. That's what the text on the screen says. In his name, there is life. And so if you will personally receive him, which simply means to believe on the name of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, what will flow in your life is grace. He gives you the right to become his child. It's as simple as that. Believe on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Receive Jesus today if you have not done so. And he will make you his child. Believe in him. You can experience his grace. Jesus is the communicator. He is the eternal one. He is the one true God. He is the creator. Jesus is life. He's the light of the world. And he's human. And what we find in his glory as he revealed it is grace and truth. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So if you don't know him, let today be the day he becomes your person. And if you claim to be his follower, would you once again acknowledge who he is? And acknowledge his rightful place in your life. He should be the center. For we exist through him. He will not be diminished. His grace will not be diminished. And some will like to portray this Jesus as a good moral teacher. It can't be accurate. Can't be. He's God. 100% God, and he was 100% man. And he came and he offered what we could not accomplish or earn for ourselves. He offers eternal life. And so if you know him, adore him. Worship him. Acknowledge him in all that we do. Do life with Jesus. Acknowledge him as your person. And as we look at the way his life interacted with other people's lives, adopt who he is. A person of grace. A person of truth, but a person of grace. Would you bow with me as we close? This foundational, these foundational ideas about who he is serve as the backdrop for everything that we will say this year. As we look at how Jesus interacted with people. And so would you, just following up 
on even my request last week. Would you just perhaps make a fresh commitment to adore Jesus, to acknowledge the fact that he should be your person, if that's what you claim. Allow his life to permeate and really control everything in your life. Take a moment to respond. If, if you're here today and you need to believe in the name of the Lord, pray in this moment. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ. He will make you his child. we acknowledge that you're the eternal one you're the one true God you're the communication of the Godhead you're the creator and sustainer of life you are life you are light you are perfect in every way and Jesus thank you that you understand our humanity personally you took on flesh so, Jesus, we acknowledge all of these things to be true from, from the word. And thank you that you have revealed what grace and truth looks like. And as your people, that you have given the right to be your children because of your grace. I pray that we would worship and adore you. That we would continue to acknowledge you in your rightful place in our hearts. And we would strive to do life with you. God, thank you for revealing yourself through the person of Jesus Christ. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.